This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, that was a working group that's been led by Senator Lamar Alexander and myself. And the discussions of the working group have really focused on common sense reforms that would expand options, expand competition, and give consumers more choices, which would lower premiums and make health insurance more affordable. If we the, the real simple way to do around, to, to get to that, Senator Cruz, with all due respect, get out of Obamacare. Deregulate. Get the government out of health care decisions. The basic laws are there. The the level the level playing field the scope of these laws passed by dare i say our political opposition liberals democrats the vast majority of those well-intentioned regulations are now being abused we have laid out the case for the last couple of days of what happens when laws that may have been passed with good intentions are taken over by individuals like Obama, like Pelosi, who don't have good intentions, how they can be abused. And I, I have to, to go back to the Salcedo show axiom that says it is best not to give government these powers lest they be abused. Because you'll find frequently in these pieces of legislation, there is little mechanism or recourse for the American people should somebody in government go astray, go above and beyond, work to the detriment of the American people, punishment for them. We take it in the shorts either way. So it is best not to have government vote itself more power. Because nine times out of ten, it's unaccountable power. And they do tremendous amounts of damage. Between the point when they're elected every other year if you're a congressman, or every six years if you're a senator. A tremendous amount of damage to you and your family's life. Well, Chris, what are we going to do about it? I can tell you what you're going to do about it. Stop electing people who think that the measure of what they do is how many laws they can pass. Instead, elect people who think the measure of a good legislator is how many laws that they get rid of, how many restrictions on the American people they get rid of, how they promote freedom, liberty, prosperity. Who take, who maybe craft a law that punishes elected leaders when they abuse the laws they pass. But you don't see much of that, do you? You don't see Congress passing laws that would penalize one of their own. For, let, let's take, for example, 
Medicare and Medicaid. Medicaid, the most dominant example, was passed for what? Disabled folks, underprivileged women, and underprivileged children. When Barack Obama callously and recklessly added millions of able-bodied, and the Democrat Party added millions of ineligible people onto the Medicaid rolls, what was the consequence? What price did they have to pay? None. Zero. They violated the reason why the law was established. Because I'll bet you somebody, when they were creating Medicaid, forgot to put that that little provision in there that said, this is the only group of people that this is set aside to help. Nobody else is eligible. And no other Congress or future president can modify these criteria. Bet you they forgot. And if they do, they are punishable by this amount of time in jail. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Because they don't want to restrict themselves. They want to restrict you. They want to restrict your family. They can't monetize or create votes out of something that they don't have control of. If they were so altruistic in the creation of these government programs, and yes, I spit it through my teeth and I seethe when I think of the waste and the fraud and the abuse we suffer at the hands of these elected bureaucrats up in Washington, D.C. The likes of Chuck Schumer, that charlatan, and Dick Durbin, that used car salesman with all apologies to used car salesmen. That snake oil salesman, Dick Durbin. How about that? When I think about the verbal jujitsu that they put on us, when I think about the lack of accountability from these individuals, all they want is their six-figure salaries paid for by the American people and to be able to build up, build up their own little personal fortunes with as little impedance from you and I as possible. And then we go back to Obamacare. Here was a law, a, a, a one-party law that was imposed on this country, didn't enjoy majority support until the Republicans started thinking, oh, we're going to take a bite at this apple. Then all of a sudden, people started wondering, oh, what's going to happen now? Look at how much government screwed us before. What are the Republicans going to do? I understand the, the very human reaction. It didn't mean that Obamacare got any better. It just means that the American people feared what the Republicans were going to do. And then I think about how it was jammed down our throats, how it was how we were told lie after lie after lie about it. And then we're told, we just got to deal with it. We suffer, and the people who voted for it, they don't suffer in the least. Well, a lot of them lost their jobs, and the party lost their jobs. But still, seeing a Democrat lose an election, 
doesn't put any more money back in my pocket or your pocket. It doesn't create any more freedom or liberty for you and me. It might feel good for the moment. But that's why so many of us were elated to make sure uh, to, to, to learn that the, the immediate suffering was over with the defeat of Hillary Clinton. But then the work had to begin. And I know you were all skeptical. I was skeptical, too, as to whether or not Trump was up for it. But it seems he is more adept than, than I or you maybe gave him credit for, for being. Because he approaches things very much the way you and I look at things. To where it's, well, that's just not right. I don't care whose political axes, or ox is getting gored. That's just not right. And he looks at things in a very pragmatic way. In a very practical way. And also, you know, what, 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 what do you mean we have to educate illegal aliens? Whenever they get here across that border, what do you mean? What do you mean that we, we have to maintain a porous border? What do you mean that Texas's uh, sanctuary cities law is is somehow unconstitutional by telling state uh, uh, state cities that they must follow federal law? That's up to the states to tell them. So anyway, the the whole context of this conversation and and by the way i'm going to transition coming up at the bottom of the hour maria espinosa you guys remember her from the remembrance project they were instrumental in helping uh, getting donald trump elected and because of their influence trump created that that new government entity called voice and it was dedicated to helping American citizens who had been forgotten by the Democrat Party, victims of illegal alien felonies, victims of illegal alien crime. And the Remembrance Project made sure that Donald Trump addressed these kinds of things, and it resonated with the president. So he put his, he put his administration where his mouth was, and they've got a tremendous amount of influence, and they're doing some good up there. And we'll get a check-in to see how they are advocating for you and me, the American citizen, uh, and, and a stark contrast from the last administration that seemed to put the illegal alien felon first. And many cities of one that are dominated by one political party seem to be putting illegal alien felons first as well. So we'll talk with them uh, coming up here at the bottom of the hour and much more to come. The Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Stick with me. Dismantling liberal ideology, one issue at a time. This is The Chris Salcedo Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. John, can you answer whether the president still believes the, the question? There's no camera on, Jim. But maybe we should turn the cameras on, John. Why don't we turn the cameras on? Jen. Why don't we turn the cameras on? I'm sorry that you have to do Jen, go ahead. Why not turn the cameras on, Sean? They're in the room. The lights are on. That's alleged reporter Jim Acosta from CNN embarrassing himself, wetting his pants over the fact that he couldn't get some FaceTime. 
uh, during the press briefing. And uh, I bring that up again today. We, we covered that rather extensively yesterday here on the Chris Salcedo Show. But uh, something has been added. Newt Gingrich, one of the big thinkers on our side, one of the big idea guys, brought up something as he was talking with Fox and Friends this morning that I thought was, well, something we've been calling for. And the uh, our friends over at Fox and Friends actually described some of the tweets that we articulated earlier from the president about CNN's fake news. CNN has been pushing the, uh, the Russia thing, Russia, 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 all the time, time, time. And, of course, there was that rush to get that Anthony Scaramucci story out. He's part of one of the advisors to the president. And they linked him to a Russian scandal, and they had to retract it. And a couple of people, three people, resigned or got fired. The president has just tweeted out something brand new, and it says, Fake News CNN is looking at big management changes now that they got caught falsely pushing their phony Russian stories. Ratings way down. All right, uh, here's the president of the United States using his Twitterverse to uh, take a shot at CNN, which, you know, we saw some of the statistics, 93% of their stories are anti-Trump. So this is not surprising. Now, did, uh, just a slight pushback on Mr. Ducey there. Did the president of the United States take a shot at CNN? Because, frankly, when I think of somebody taking a shot at somebody, it, it, it isn't necessarily justified. But I think the president of the United States was well within his rights to call out a news organization that allowed three of its, and I'm making air quotes with my fingers, journalists to resign because they had put out a story that was so poorly sourced, so devoid of facts that they had to retract it. Now, I, so I don't think it was a shot at all. I think it was it was quite necessary and needed. I think that that President Trump doing this with CNN, he provided a service for the country in pointing out that CNN is a biased news organization that is, it is uh, disparaging of Trump at all costs, whether it's factual or not. One more thing. Why do you guys think that these air quotes with fingers again, journalists were allowed to resign. Why weren't they fired? Now, when, when I was in news, if I had put up a story that I didn't source, if I had put up a story and put my, uh, if I had put CBS and I used to work for CBS, CBS reputation on the line and came out with a, a poorly sourced story that was completely not factual about resident Obama. They, I would have been fired because I would have put the prestige and the reputation of CBS at risk. Now, granted there is no prestige and reputation about CNN. They are so in the tank for the Democrat party. They are so biased. They're not journalists. So there's no reputation to salvage there. I understand, but still the reason why these leftists, and that's what they are, they're left-wing biased reporters. The reason why they were allowed to resign is because, well, the folks at CNN didn't want to take uh, foot soldiers out from the cause, which is liberalism, of course. Uh, no, no. They, they, if you're fired, that looks really bad on the resume. 
and you'd have a hard time justifying hiring one of these individuals over the New York Times or the Washington Post or MSNBS or ABC or CBS or NBC. That way, these individuals, since they resigned, they could be rehired at one of these left-wing biased journalistic outfits. Or not journalistic, uh, alleged news outfits. They're not journalists. When they, when they when they undertake biased news coverage, they're not journalists. They're something else. They're propagandists. And CNN is the leader of this kind of thing. So that's why those rep- those reporters, those left wing reporters, were allowed to resign. They should appoint an outside analyst. Somebody of impeccable authority, somebody like a Michael Mukasey, who used to be the Attorney General of the United States, to come in and review everything at CNN and basically reset it. You cannot get to a believable network while Zucker is there. He clearly made a gamble last year to be the leading anti-Trump network. They've clearly done things that are absurdly wrong. Uh, I, I, I like lots of the people at CNN. I worked with them for a while. Uh, and there are some very, very good people at CNN with a very long tradition of being good journalists. Right, but they're sacrificing it all. They're sacrificing their reputations as quote-unquote journalists to, to buy into a left-wing political agenda that it has one objective, to destroy the presidency of Donald Trump. And it's it's plain as the nose on everybody's face. Everybody understands that that CNN can't be trusted, that they're a biased news organization. Everybody gets that. Everybody understands that. And we take every opportunity here on The Chris Salcedo Show to remind you, our audience, about what's going on over there. And and part of part of the reason I do this is because I used to be a reporter. I value good journalism. Whenever I can find it. By the way, Cheryl Atkinson will be coming on to the program. I think it's Thursday. That's a real journalist, which is why she's not working at CBS anymore. Uh, but what CNN has done is, an, is, is a betrayal of their First Amendment, their constitutional charge. And they're selling out for politics. But the culture of the overall system right now is very toxic. And I think they should bring in an outside person like Attorney General Mukasey to review the whole culture and to reset it so people could have faith in CNN again. And we've been calling for this since we found out that CNN helped rig the Democrat primary for Hillary Clinton. Remember? Now, we never got an investigation. CNN never did an investigation. They never told the American people. CNN never came clean with the American people of how debate questions got into to Hillary Clinton's hands and Bernie Sanders didn't have them in a so-called Democrat debate. CNN was cheating on behalf of the Clinton campaign, rigging an election, and they never explained it. Now that we've got Donald Trump in the Oval Office... Now, they, they, they don't have to explain all of their shoddy journalism and their biased reporting. And I think that Newt Gingrich is, is absolutely correct. What CNN has needed for, for years now is an independent auditor to come in and say, this is what your problem is to restore faith and make CNN a credible news organization again. It's going to take an awful lot, but I don't think they want to be credible anymore. Uh, Maria Espinosa, The Remembrance Project, up next on The Salcedo Show. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network.
Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Time to talk to our next guest, Maria Espinoza, the co-founder and national director for the Remembrance Project. Now, they advocate for families of victims who have been killed by illegal aliens. Maria is a first-generation American. Father came here legally into the United States from Mexico, and she's born in the great state of Texas. Maria, welcome back to the Chris Salcedo Show. Chris, thank you so much for inviting me on. Great now, we have, uh, we, we have uh, lost touch because you've been busy. Uh, the Remembrance Project has relocated from Texas into, into Washington, D.C., so I got several questions to get, get the folks caught up on what you've been up to. First off, Victims of Immigration Crime Engagement Voice. This was a, a division of the government that the president was setting up that he talked about so that people that you have been advocating for all of these years would not be forgotten by the federal government. How is that development going? Okay, well, it is up and going. They're, um, as far as they have a toll-free number out there, and um, they're, they're ready to answer the questions and help the families of the victims to get information on that illegal alien criminal, whether he's coming up for a hearing or you know, even being released and all. So um, I've called in myself, and I've actually got three people who call, called me back. So um, I think it's going well, and I haven't heard anything otherwise than that. Um, well, so you know, look, well, let's, let's, be on, let's be honest. It was the Remembrance Project that, w- that basically your close relationship with the president that prompted the founding of this, of this division of the government, Yes. Absolutely. And, you know, we're very excited about it. We want it to do more, though, also. But, you know, it has to be funded. We have to get these representatives behind President Trump's America First agenda. And these are one of the elements that we're on the road to. You know, back in April of 2015, um, we signed, we penned a letter, about 12 Latinos, and I penned a letter to every state governor asking them for this type of program to help burial medical counseling and help navigate through the legal system. We tweaked that letter and we sent it out to the four remaining GOP candidates in March of 2016. And one candidate responded, and that was Donald Trump. And, and mm-hmm. here we are. We got a formal um, statement from him as well, and he's delivering, I think, the best he can. Um, and, um, Chris, yesterday we held a press conference right here in Washington, D.C. to roll out the announcement of our collaboration with uh, CareForce U.S. and that will provide crisis intervention services and chaplain services for the families should they need that. Well, in your liberty-loving Latino's opinion, if uh, <laughs> there are lawmakers who can vote for half a billion dollars for an organization that that profits off the killing of children in the womb, they certainly can afford some money to for an organization inside of the government that actually stands up for families who have lost their loved ones to illegal alien crime, felonies. Let me ask you, uh, Maria, about uh, your meetings. Now, you, you've been meeting with some high-profile administration folks. Uh, first off, the Attorney mm-hmm. General of the United States, Jeff Sessions. What did you guys talk about and how the meeting go? Oh, my goodness. It went very well, Chris. He is such a a wonderful patriot. Um, We were actually his last meeting for the day prior to him leaving for the border when he went to Tucson back in April. And one of the issues that we went in to meet with him, because we're not just meeting with him to have coffee or tea. We're talking about some issues that we've learned from grassroots being in the trenches since 2009. And one of our 
um, efforts is obviously helping out the Border Patrol agents, those who protect us and keep our communities safe, all law enforcement. And uh, one of the uh, agents mentioned that uh, Paul Perez over there in the RGB sector mentioned that one thing that is very disturbing to the agents is the matter is the fact that the AUSAs, the assistant U.S. attorneys, do not prosecute the illegal alien when they assault an agent. We took that letter to AG Sessions, and he said it was very important. In fact, in his speech at press conference, he said his fifth and most important point was to mandate that the AUSAs prosecute assaults upon the agent. So, you know, we're making a difference up here. Uh, we also met with Secretary of Homeland Security, John Kelly, and that was, again, more of the same type. He's a good patriot. You know, of course, we're, we're here for them and whatever that we can do and whatever we can do for the families. And we've learned certain um, issues. Uh, maybe they're, again, agents having a problem or a mother not being able to give a victim's impact statement. This is where we are in our country. When you know, wait, wait, before you, before you give an impact statement. Yeah. Before, before you do, get away from that topic, I mean, what does it say about where we've been the last eight years? The cancer of the previous administration, the irresponsibility, the, the dedication yeah. to lawlessness and the, the dedication to the, uh, the criminal, the felon that the previous administration had right. to where you couldn't even get if, if an illegal alien harmed a border agent. Uh, U.S. attorneys wouldn't prosecute the illegal alien. That, that's what I think, Maria, is that the Achilles heel and the reason why the other party, the left-wing party, is losing so many elections is because the American people know that uh, President Obama put illegal alien felons first as so many, like, like cities of Dallas, like mm-hmm. the cities of Austin and Houston are doing right back here at home. Maria Espinosa is the co-founder of the National Director for the Remembrance Project. Last thing, now you guys are stepping things up with your organization. Uh, you guys are doing a 501c4 organization. It's called the Remembrance Project Advocacy. Why are you guys doing that, and what is the, what is the net effect? Right. Well, Chris, what we want to do is to be able to point to good legislation and you know, encourage people to vote for it, or a good candidate. You know, We need to be going out there. We have a great reputation. We worked very hard. And, you know, there's value. We have incredible access because of our work and professionalism with administration. We want to be able to um, show the public who is good. And they have to be good conservatives, America first. You know, we're having our national conference, Chris, and I want to invite you to come up. And we're going to have a real media row. No more fake news. We're only inviting grassroots (laughs) bloggers, those like us who've been in the trenches. No, we, uh, <laughs> we'll bring people up to help because we need people in this fight. Well, you're getting pretty good at this because you actually just are going to help me segue into talking about uh, the president's assault on a fake news network, CNN. Maria Espinosa, everybody, <laughs> co-founder and national director of the Remembrance Project. Keep us posted to your activities up there because you guys are doing God's work. We always appreciate your visit here on the Salcedo Show. Well, God bless you, Chris, and thank you so much. Keep it up, young man. Okay. (laughs) I can't remember the last time I was called young man. Uh, Very nice. Folks, look, uh, she's right. I I, I want you guys to make sure that you check out the president's Twitter handle. Now, I I told you that once in a while the president gets in trouble for his tweets, but his criticism of 
CNN is warranted. And time was when you had responsible media. If somebody had stepped, when there was real competition in the press, we could count on, you know, the likes of if CNN, well, this happens today. CNN steps out of line. Fox will report it, but ABC, NBC, CBS won't. There used to be a competition as to who who would get the most audience. But now since it's all ideologically driven, and it's they're, they're doing it all for left wing, uh, the folks at ABC are cool with folks watching CNN or are cool with folks watching CBS, as long as they're watching the indoctrination, the left wing perspective. That's what matters. So competition goes out the window. And Donald Trump is right to call out CNN. So I encourage you guys to check out, and I don't, I won't do this often. Check out at real Donald Trump and check out his tweets because on this particular case, his tweets are justified. His tweets are a service and they are needed here in this country. Up next, an experiment, a socialized, uh, social ex- a socialism, social experiment in Seattle goes horribly wrong. And I'll tell you what lessons we can glean from it. The $15 an hour minimum wage. Back in a minute, Chris Salcedo's show right here on The Blaze. Reminding America that limited constitutional government is cool. The Chris Salcedo Show. On The Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. There was an experiment. That's not an experiment. It was actually just uh, social engineering from individuals, from progressives who have never signed the front of a paycheck out in places like Seattle. And the experiment was this. Let's force companies to pay their, their workers $15 an hour. And I fully supported this. Now, for all of you who think, oh, Chris has lost his mind, let me remind you why I supported this. Because Seattle, I knew, would tank their economy. Seattle, I knew, would ruin their economy for those who are uh, on the lower end of the pay scale. We knew that businesses would fold up shop when they when they couldn't make the oppressive and overbearing wage requirements for Seattle they would pack up shop and they would leave Seattle and they'd come to places like Texas they'd go to more free markets where labor was more fairly uh decided on market forces not on some arbitrary number that some politician believes who has never signed the front of a paycheck who some politician believes is going to get him the most votes not economically based whatsoever not market based whatsoever but just on pure liberal whimsy 
and, and that said, uh, I knew there would be some other states that were more market-based and would create opportunity and liberty and freedom for others. And I knew that in the, in the arena of ideas, Seattle would be a loser. And according to, of all publications, the Washington Post, uh, Max, oh boy, Aaron, Front, Aaron Fund, maybe, he came out with a, uh, with a report on a credible study that shows that Seattle's $15 minimum wage has been bad for liberals. And in particular, bad for low-wage folks. Now, the study concluded that, among other things, this, this little experiment it did manage to increase... Uh, I think it was by $3 by <laughs> increase wages by about, what was it three bucks an hour or something like that for most folks. However, with the increase increased wage came a reduction in hours. And with that reduction in hours it ended up being a net loss for low income folks to the tune of $125 a week. Now, look, that may not seem a lot of money to some of you, but to low-income folks, that's, a, that's an awful lot. It really is. So, and then you multiply that by, you know, two weeks, it's 250 bucks every paycheck, gone, because government thinks it knew best. And that's what's happening here. And that's what's happening in Seattle. And again, I fully support it. If Seattle wants to drive its... It's economy into the tank. I say we let it. And then here's the exact stat. What workers saw 3%, sorry, not $3, 3% increase in their wages, a 3% increase in their wages, but they saw a nine hour reduction in their hours per week. Thus, it was a net loss of 125 bucks to which we said, you know, great work lives. Great work. Now, why all of this is going on, McDonald's stock prices going through the roof. And you want to know why? Because they're starting to implement kiosks. They're firing their cashiers and they're putting in digital kiosks to take the place of those cashiers. So you come in, you see this big old, you know, instead of a human being, you see this machine, you punch in what you want. Runner comes up, gives it to you. You're gone. Oh, you you swipe your card, you pay for it. You're gone. So McDonald's stock prices is rising. McDonald's is responding to cities like Seattle, to those who are talking about falsely raising the minimum wage because it creates a false market. And of course, McDonald's wants to remain in business. McDonald's wants to stay in business. So they're going to do everything they possibly can to stay in business. And they can't raise prices because then they start pricing themselves away from their market. Because, you know, the dirty little secret, folks, is that businesses don't pay taxes. You do. Businesses factor in their tax burden and the cost of their product. It's the cost of doing business is paying taxes. So it works right up until the point where you start, you know, charging, you know, five bucks for a Big Mac. And then you can't do that anymore because then you then your competitors swoop in and and you're no longer competitive courtesy of government. 
So at any rate, uh, you know, McDonald's is is doing this in reaction to left-wing progressives who want to impose arbitrary business decisions on on folks. And it's, well, it's having the predictable result. Hey, remember, everybody, society's worth isn't result, isn't measured, rather, by how much power is seized by a government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have yourselves a grand day back tomorrow on the Blaze Radio Network for the Salcedo Show. We will see you to 3 o'clock Eastern. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of the next generation of talk radio. This is the Blaze Radio Network.